0: You know, uh, all through my life, uh, rather than wonder whether I would grow old or how I would manage to be old, I always wondered if I would make it to the year 2000. I was born in 1933. I wanted to uh, make it to the year 2000 when I turned 67 so that I could find out what it was like in the 21st century. I wanted to live in the 21st century. Uh, And... uh, now I made it. I've been living in the twenty first century for twenty one years, so <laughs> my wish was fulfilled. That was the main wish of my life that I would live in the twenty first century. I made it.
1: So to start off this episode, uh, why don't you tell a bit about yourself and how old you are, your job, well, your what you used to do.
0: Well, uh, this doctor speaking. I'm. Lara's grandfather. I'm 88 years old. I was on March the 8th International Women's Day on 1933 in the midst of a snowstorm. And I had uh, a very uh, unusual teenage years because uh, I was um, very anxious to please my mother with my performances at school and at sports. So um, uh, I did all right in those fields. But it made my brother very angry that I was uh, aiming mainly at pleasing my mother. So he didn't think that that was a good idea. So he he did his best to uh, come last in everything. Uh, so he and I were uh, at odds until about 40 years later. We We met in Ethiopia when I was on a shoot for the National Film Board as a cameraman. And he was there on a world tour. Uh, and he met me at the airport in Addis Ababa, and uh, he went on location with, for, with us for three weeks and we, came, we, we became very good friends. So we overcame all our difficulties and we've we've been good friends ever since. Now, uh, when I went to Halifax in high school, uh, so I was very anxious to come first in everything because that's what my mother expected me to do. So I became first in everything, all my studies and all the sports scholarship to go to Yale University, where I wanted to go because I wanted to be close to Springfield, Massachusetts, where there was a beautiful young woman that I was courting. So she came down with me for one date, and that was the end of that relationship, <laughs> <laughs> because he found out I couldn't play golf.
1: Where you could play a bunch of other sports. I
0: could play a bunch of other sports. That they didn't mean anything to her. The only sport that meant anything to her was golf. Because her father was the <laughs> president of this golf club in Springfield, Massachusetts. Wow. Well, yeah. So uh, how far may you want me to go? Is that far enough?
1: Yes, that's very yeah. good. Very specific. All right. right to the point. Yeah. So tell us a bit about your mother, who she was as a person. And- well, my
0: mother was an overachiever. Uh she was the president of this and that, and uh, the founder of this and that, uh, and uh, you know, honored for all her works. So I, I think she got ten honorary degrees. So therefore, I, she was set an impossible, impossible standard to live up to. <laughs> an impossible
1: standard.
0: An impossible standard to live up to, you know. Yeah. So uh, I did my best, but it wasn't. It was never, never right up to her level. Yeah, Let me see about that. my mother. Yeah. Uh, she never learned to speak French. So uh, she was happy to move to Halifax uh, in 1947 when she was about uh, 30 years old, I guess. And uh, that was a military outpost in Halifax, the head of the Canadian Navy. Uh, so she she was felt right at home there because she was an outspoken critic of the Canadian military. That was her main wow. focus in life. Was to speak out against the Canadian military, so she felt great there in Halifax, and uh, she established the Halifax branch of the Raging Grannies, which uh, sang crazy songs uh, outside the navy naval base, navy base uh, against uh, military operations. So uh, she was she was she was good fun, but very demanding, very demanding mother.
1: Yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. And your brother, John, do you think he was trying to be last because you kind of already took that position of living up to your mother's standards?
0: Yeah. So uh, he, he he reserved, he, he saved all his energy for McGill. He, went, he decided to go to McGill while I was going to Yale. And at McGill, he, he allowed himself to become first at everything there. He became president of his class, president mm-hmm. of the engineering society president of the uh, annual student uh, uh festivities uh, president of, of everything mm-hmm. uh and okay. he, and uh, so so he he established his uh status for uh, for my mother as a result
1: yeah so if you think do you think if john your brother had had taken com- like that place as the son that kind of led up to the her expectations and did all the sports do you think you would have keep behind and stayed behind in order for him
0: or no no i i was i was very proud young man i wanted to be first in everything you know i was determined to do that so
1: either yeah. way you would kind of really work hard and try to impress your mom yeah yeah okay that's really interesting and were you popular would you say
0: uh, well, let, let me think. Uh, I was asked to be the orator at the graduation ceremony of our high school class, so I, was at least, I think it was at least popular with my teachers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know was <laughs> yeah. popular with my fellow students. You know I tried out for the basketball team, and we had a great basketball team, but I wasn't played on the floor very much because I wasn't a very good player, so I sat out most of most of the basketball game. But I was better at track and field. I did yeah. all right at track and field and i did all right in football catching the football
1: so football track and field any other sports and
0: that was it yeah did football, you cross country
1: running or more track and? well field? track
0: and field cross country running came along when i went to university yeah.
1: do, you, do you want to talk a bit about that
0: well sure i love track and field because uh i i wasn't doing too well on the track i i didn't have a very good time in the four in the uh, one mile so i trained in the wintertime for two miles i did all right two miles but then i i was living mainly for a cross-country season in the fall six miles i was very good at six miles Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: i i was very happy with that
1: and um what's one like your best or funniest moment as a teen it could be like with your parents or you know with your friends do you have any in mind right now we can come back to it
0: oh my best and funniest moment was uh Going for a date for a girlfriend uh in my father's car. I didn't tell him what I was doing with the car. And we got stuck in a snow pit <laughs> it was a snow pit somewhere. <laughs> I had to I I couldn't get I I had to call, I had, I had to call a touring touring company to pull us out of the snow pit. <laughs> and I had to explain to my father afterwards what I was doing there. You know, how come I had to go <laughs> was
1: oh, that no. a i long...
0: didn't tell him i was i was using his car to go out and uh take a girl on a date with it So <laughs>
1: that's funny that was funny and well do you remember his reaction
0: yeah he was very tolerant he was very tolerant yeah yeah he said well don't do it again
1: and you know what about your dad was there a certain pressure to live up to his expectations or you well no he,
0: he didn't he didn't uh lay down the rules you know he was very tolerant uh, so he assumed that his children would do whatever they could in the best way possible so but uh but he was he he was a great man myself. i just loved my dad he was uh, he was a very good preacher and organizer and uh, uh, athlete uh, that uh whose example i tried to follow
1: awesome and um what's your biggest regret as a teenager what would you have wished you would have done in your teenage years? You know, from your age of thirteen to
0: nineteen. I wish I'd kept up music. I dropped music at the age of eighteen to take it up uh, for football. You know, I think it was a ridiculous uh, decision. Did you? I was, I was very good at playing the organ. But when I when I was uh, between the ages of fifteen and eighteen, I played the organ in the ch- local church. I uh, earned some. I got money doing that.
1: Did you give up music and go to football because you preferred football or was there another reason to that? Uh,
0: no, because uh, because I wanted to impress the girl in Springfield.
1: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and how did that go with her? Well
0: it didn't it didn't impress her at all. No, she did she you prefer
1: she, golf? She too? wanted
0: me to be good at golf, which I wasn't. <laughs> it, I was the
1: same girl. it
0: was the same girl. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so What advice would you give to a teen right now, like in the 21st century? Because it was pretty different back then. What about now?
0: Well, I think it's important to to, uh, be concerned about the fate of the world, because uh, I I think the the world is uh, in danger of uh, coming to an end because of the climate crisis and because of the uh, nuclear arms race. So...
1: Can you tell us a bit uh, more about the nuclear arms race?
0: Yeah, they uh, <clears throat> uh, all the great powers have nuclear weapons, and they threaten to uh, use them if they ever if they ever disagree with each other. Uh, so it's it's a very big danger, mm-hmm. and uh, who knows if a crazy guy like Trump comes to power, whether he couldn't push the button to to you know to release uh, to to. Uh, to launch those uh, terrible missiles on China yeah. or on Russia, so I'm very worried about that, and I'm very worried about uh, climate change. So I, I hope teenagers of today uh, become very concerned about those two issues and mm-hmm. get active, following the example of that wonderful young woman from Sweden.
1: Yeah, and there's Greta Thunberg, and there's yeah. a bunch of other teens as well, yeah. and especially with you know social media it's kind of there's like built a lot of communities and a lot of an awareness has come yeah. out because you know social media is something that teens use a lot mm. and then you know the more they use it the more they will get a certain exposure to all these topics yeah. and like speaking of social media you know what are your views on it and
0: I have no views on social media because I, they're, they're my only connection with social media is I use my computer for and for writing emails to people yeah. I don't look at any of the uh, other social medias because I don't have time to do that. I prefer reading a book. I read a lot of books.
1: That's I'm good. trying <laughs> to catch up
0: on all the reading of, of books that I've uh, been piling up on my life. So I'm at last getting time to read them. So I don't take much attention to social media. I hear that the uh, social media spreads a lot of lies and misinformation. So yeah, uh, I don't think I'm missing anything by staying away from them.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, a lot of teens think they are missing out. But in the end, you know, you live a life free of social media. And even if you're 88, you know very well that you don't need it in your life, right? Right. Um, but it is helpful helpful for different aspects of life.
0: Like what aspects?
1: Well, like, for example, my podcast, you know, to reach out to people. Okay. And like small businesses. And again, those like um, uh, nonprofit organizations, there's some on social media as well okay. to kind of.
0: Well, can you reach out with them and email?
1: Yes, you can. But how do you know what their email is? How do you know these people exist? I mean, by, especially. By
0: email and by phone.
1: Yes, but how do you know their phone number or their email? You got, I mean, you could go door to door, but, you know, especially during COVID it's been more difficult, right? So I feel like social media is a very effective way to communicate with people at the same time there, you know, that dark side where it's a lot of, like you said, lies and stuff like that.
0: Well, uh, I don't think uh, contact with a person in, in the uh, social media is nearly as uh, useful and, uh, and uh, fulfilling as a contact eye to eye.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But
0: I, I think it's uh, I think it's a lot of time wasted uh, trying to make contact with people on social media, and, and uh, time that would might be much better used uh, meeting people eye to eye, either in a sport or in a political organization or in a movement of some kind against uh, climate change. You know
1: yeah
0: a lot of other ways of meeting people are at school my gosh you must have a lot of friends at school too
1: yeah yeah Yeah. definitely but again at school even at school like when i used to have social media a lot of the people i knew from my school it's very strange how it happens because a lot of people in my school i didn't even talk to and they followed me and i followed them and there was a strange connection to them i had but it wasn't really a connection it was fake but You think they're your friend, right? But it's very strange because all they did was press a button.
0: Oh, so why why bother with it?
1: So for our second part of the podcast, for the last remaining minutes, I really want to zoom in to where you're at now. And, you know, you're 88 years old now, so (laughs) that's a long time. So my first question is, when you were younger, were you afraid of getting older? When you were a teenager,
0: no, I don't think I was because I ha- I had my uh, parents as my example. Uh, my mother lived until she was a hundred. My father lived until he was seventy-five, and uh, they both were very productive in their older years. My uh, my father never never retired really. He kept on working until he, until he died in 97, until he was seventy-five. My mother uh, never uh changed her style of life either she never had a period when she retired because she just continued doing her same uh, voluntary work that she'd done all her life so uh those are my examples <clears throat> i assumed uh, that i would re- just remain active all my life so i i had no fear of growing old no
1: and that uh was that constant throughout your whole entire life
0: yeah i was never afraid of growing old never no that's pretty good. A lot of, a lot of that uh, lag of fear was uh, came as a result of the, of the uh, fact that I almost died once when I was, and that was in 1970. So I was then, I was uh, 40, I was 30, 37 when I had a near fatal accident. What and happened? I, was, I, 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 I uh, fractured my skull on both sides, so I was given a 50-50 chance to survive and i was unconscious for two weeks <clears throat> and then when i came alive again i felt i was very lucky to to become alive again and i felt like that, that ever since life is a, a second gift for me so i'm very lucky to be alive and uh and it was a good experience because i had a wonderful vision of a universe filled with a tree when i when i became conscious again
1: was this, and I've, um... had
0: that, I've had that vision ever since that I'm part of a, a huge tree of uh humanity that's, uh
1: that's beautiful yeah. was this the accident in mexico yeah with the... and, uh
0: into the branches of that tree so i'm not really afraid to die again you're
1: know so, not afraid you think you're satisfied with your life yeah so
0: i think i've i've been lucky to be alive what was your question I forget your question. <laughs> yeah you
1: kind of cut me off that's fine I really think that was important yeah. beautiful what you said but are you so you're not too afraid to die but are you afraid of other people missing you because that's definitely gonna happen well that's
0: my main uh, uh main uh meaning of life for me today is uh living for my children and grandchildren uh that's why I find uh, retirement so uh, productive and and uh, creative because I, I spend so much time with my children and grandchildren, mm-hmm. uh, as well as e- e- finally reading all the books I've been collecting all my yeah. life. So I have a chance to finally catch up on reading. I have finally a chance to uh, return to piano playing, yeah. which I had to drop for most of my professional life.
1: And uh, what's a book you're reading right now that you're really interested in?
0: Okay, uh what I'm reading right now is uh books by uh, uh a wonderful black american woman writer, not Toni Morrison, but another I've read Toni Morrison, but uh I found her books quite depressing. So I'm reading now another black or black woman writer. Uh
1: what does she write about?
0: Uh, well it's based on her on her life story.
1: A biography?
0: Or a biography. Uh, how can I forget her name?
1: We'll come back oh, to that I'll later.
0: To Sorry.
1: Uh, it's fine. Jeez. We'll think we'll and think. Also, about I,
0: I just finished reading a terrific book called a novel called The Cold Millions. A, uh, a very inspiring book about a, a, a worker's strike in 1909 in, in Seattle, uh, which was organized by the Workers wor- Workers of the World Union, a very progressive union. Uh, and one of the main characters is a fictional recreation of an American communist whose name was Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. She was uh, one of the heroines of, my, of uh, my wife, Audrey, and her parents, she was a great union organizer. So mm-hmm. I found that an inspiring book. That's
1: really uh, interesting. And yeah. um, I had another question. Because you're retired, you don't work anymore, right? You don't, Do you do any little work I, here I don't, and there? I don't or? do
0: any more camera work. But I have two friends who have told me that they want me to do camera work for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Are without, you? Do you th- without, without pay so i'll be glad to do that if it comes through yeah yeah
1: and so what do you do on a regular day if you don't work i mean okay you uh, know work takes I, up so much of well, your my life main so. thing
0: is uh, playing with nikki's twin 11 year old twin children mm-hmm. i go there every night at five o'clock for a couple of years uh, a couple of hours
1: a Couple of and years. Help, i
0: help to calm them down and get ready for bed mm-hmm. i love playing with them and then uh, I play the piano about half an hour a day, and then I read novels, and then I go for a run. I go for a, for a run and exercise for a half hour every day.
1: See, guys, that's what you're supposed to be when you're older. When you're 88 years old, you have to be like Martin. You have to run and exercise. Yeah. That's, that's really inspiring. Yeah, of
0: course, yeah. You've got to stay uh, active. And you mean, have to enjoy life. You have to enjoy life. So I lead a lot of poetry. Mm-hmm. I've been reading poetry by the great Russian poet, uh, Mandelstam, Osip Mandelstam, and uh, a wonderful biography of him a written by his wife about the importance of poetry. And uh, and you I've, come I've as seen... a
1: guest on wonderful podcasts.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, on yours, <laughs> on yours, yeah.
1: So to finish off this episode, mm. I have a big question for you. Mm. Let's see if you answer it right. Mm. So, out of all the shapes, what is your favorite color of the alphabet?
0: Well, what, what, what makes you think that the alphabet has colors?
1: Just answer. Out of all the shapes, what is your favorite color of the alphabet? Blue. Perfect. Okay.
0: <laughs> what is the relationship of blue to the alphabet?
1: I don't know what is the connection? it's a stupid question i want to ask at the end of the episode
0: oh all right <laughs> well my answer to every question about colors is always blue blue i, I like blue i see i have a blue shirt i have dark blue pants uh, those are black well they're they're more black than blue actually <laughs> uh, but i have blue underwear
1: oh uh, okay shirt, yeah mm-hmm.
0: and uh
1: Blue wine? No, that's that one's red.
0: (laughs) What would what would your answer be to that that question? Chocolate. Chocolate.
1: Yes, I love chocolate.
0: What? What? uh, uh, Throw me the question again. Let me hear the question.
1: Out of all the shapes, what is your favorite color of the alphabet? Chocolate. Okay. Okay. It's (laughs) an. Thank you for listening, guys. This is a conversation to be continued. Out of all the shapes, what is your favorite color of the alphabet? Please comment in the social media. Thank you. Bye.